David, do you realize what we just did? Found the climax? At the same time. Should we have a cigarette now? Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. Maddie and Dave go in her office. And both talking very confident about their own selection. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure she got home early last night. And Maddie goes, Obviously Stevie has a call. Obviously. No doubt looking for someone to help her dial the phone. Very cute. All those numbers, all those buttons. You're milking it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, you know, they're both, sorry, but they're shitting themselves because they're both sort of confident, but they're both worried too. You know, they're both acting so confident that their selection is going to win and they're both acting like they're not worried. So it's so funny. Um, yeah. David says the only reason Tupperman didn't call is because he hit pay dirt last night. Excuse me. You're excused. Hit pay dirt. Hit pay dirt. Round it third and slid into home. Oh my God, David, really? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote super cute banter and how they're both trying to act confident and not worried a bit because they're just so, they just know that they found the right person for Tupperman, but they're like dying for him to call. You know, yeah. and yes, all of Pater and Maddie, and I was just acting so offended. Oh, Maddie, you're just so a prude. Um, yeah, they're definitely both waiting in anticipation. Um, oh, yeah. But Maddie's sick of his comments, and you are the crudest man I've ever met. You want to get around more? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love Bruce, Bruce's face. It's just too cute. And the phone rings. And I love when they come out of Maddie's office and they do this once in a while and they, I think they should have done it more, but they both come through the door pane at the same time and you know, <laughs> squeeze together to get out. Yeah. And it's only in the background, you know, you have to really be looking for it, but I love that kind of physical comedy. And Agnes says it's Molly and she tries to speak in pig Latin and Maddie's pulling the phone <laughs> from her yes. and David's like, Oh gee, I feel terrible about this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Agnes is trying to do the three languages, right? Because um, it's Molly and three languages at the same time. So, Mm. And it's funny. You can see Jurgensen laughing in the background when David (laughs) says, I know what you're all thinking, but 
Don't you know how much I hate being right all the time? <laughs> Maddie's upset now. She goes to walk in her office. Leave me alone, Alison. And he says, I hope they had the good taste to ask Molly to be old maid of honour. Oh, he's so rude. Mm-hmm. I know, he's so mean. Poor Molly. Now, to keep up with the plot, let me clarify something here. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know at the end. So it's Molly on the phone. She's basically telling Blue Moon it didn't go well, right? Yeah. Okay. But really, it did. I mean, did it? Is she just calling to like throw them off? Is this part of their bigger plan and plot? Because we know what happens in the end. Tupperman says, but then, you know, a monkey wrench in my plan. I met Molly yeah. and we did fall in love. So it's like, why is Molly calling and saying in the bigger scheme of the plot? My interpretation is that she's now in cahoots with Tupperman. And okay. That's what I meant. That's you what know, they've fallen in love and he's got okay. Stevie because Stevie got in first, right? And yeah. then she walks in. So now we had two. So she yeah. loves him so much that she's rung Blue Moon to let them know that she's out of the picture that he picked Stevie. And that way he'll go back to Connecticut, kill Stevie, get the insurance money and live with Molly. Yes, because Tupperman's real plan was for the last few years, he's pretended that he had a wife. That's right. So in getting Blue Moon to find these women for him, he's going to use one of them as a body for the wife he never had. That's right. So initially, all he wanted was, let's just say, Stevie to kill to get the insurance money. That's all he wanted. He didn't actually want another woman until he met Molly. So Maddie made the right choice, sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Maddie did. Yes. Maddie found the woman for him for sure. She definitely won the bet. But like Molly and Tupperman were two of a kind. Tupperman and Molly fell in love and she agreed to his sinister plan immediately. But to throw everybody off to like cover for Tupperman, she's calling Blue Moon and saying it didn't go well. So now we're all caught up on the plot, right? Yeah, that's right. Um. So Maddie gets upset in her office. She just got off the phone with a woman in pain and a knife in her heart. So then another door slam. Maddie slams the door. That's number 10. That's 10? No. 10 in one episode. Far out. It's 11 because you just said we had 10. So I'm writing it down as we go. Oh, yeah. That's when they go into their separate offices. It's 10 and now it's 11. You're right. Correct, madam. I'm here. And yeah, David says something like, what does he say? Like, that means I can't make a couple jokes. He's so like David. Go yeah, away. he says, and that means a man can't make a couple of jokes. And she slams yeah, the door. Exactly. He's so heartless. He's been so heartless in this episode. Just, you know, they're very competitive, I guess. He just wants to be right. He's just being him. And he sure is. We're back in the car. Back in the car. Men. Switch drivers. I didn't look that close. I looked a little bit, but I didn't look that close to see if they did the driving scenes at the same time like they did in Rainbow. You know, where we could tell they just switched drivers. Yeah. He didn't have his Band-Aid on, Shauna. I know, I know. There's nothing like <laughs> no tell signs. But sometimes you can tell from her hair and things like that, uh, you know. Yeah. But her hair is kind of the same throughout the episode, so mm. um, hard to tell. But they probably did. But they always kind of throw us off by switching drivers. So just like the scene just looks different immediately, you know. Yeah, you seem to notice that. I never actually take note, oh, he's driving, oh, she's driving. You know, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I always do take note of who's driving. Yeah. And he says that again, like she says, men. And he goes, Yes. And he said that in portrait when they were tied up. So, yeah, here's some interesting 
dialogue and, and some very interesting things said by Maddie about men. Hmm. Their behaviors can be traced back to just south of their belt buckles. He's not disagreeing. Why are men how they are choosing beauty over brains? But mm. of course, he shoves it right back in her face like, oh, okay, Miss Model, you know. Yes. She doesn't understand why David can be so insensitive, so uncaring, so selfish. But David <laughs> makes a good point that Maddie made her mm. money from her looks. He goes, let me get this straight, Miss made a million bucks off my physical beauty, but not a dime off my emotional substance haze. <laughs> exactly. You know what I can't figure out? You know what I can't figure out? Left from right. <laughs> insults again now she's hitting hard he was doing it before he was being like the insensitive one now she's definitely like coming back hard at him with the insults yeah and he's deflecting as well like she says i'm upset because there's a shattered woman who even as we speak is having to do with the pain of rejection and he's like what are you talking about i asked you out i asked you out i know i know yeah it's funny yeah some funny banter here he feels the plot twisting did you notice that Bruce's foot is up on the dash and then off? Like sometimes it's funny yeah. that he has his, um, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> up there, like in between takes, so it'll be on and off. So it's a bit of a goof. Yeah, so they're on completely opposite sides of the fence on this subject. Yeah. She's worried about how Molly is dealing with it. Obviously, she thinks that Molly's been rejected and David doesn't give a flying fig. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Then she has a brainwave. If we can find yeah. a Stevie for Mr. Tupperman, we can find a Tupperman for Molly. And he's like, wait a second, wait a second. I feel a plot twisting here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sure is. What do you mean we, pale face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Indian reference there. And this dialogue ends with some very interesting insight about Maddie. When, you know, he's saying, um, a few minutes ago, you were hating on all men. And now you want to find one for Molly? And she says, true, but they beat sleeping alone. But they beat sleeping alone. But really? I put really, Maddie? Is that how she feels? I mean, is that Maddie? They beat sleeping alone? That's not Maddie. No. Um, <laughs> no, no. When I think it's, that, you know? what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. You know, like it's double standards on her part <laughs> in reverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay yeah. for Molly, but no, it wouldn't suit Maddie. Absolutely not. I think she's had her, you know, a hard time with men. She, like we say, she has no luck dating and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think she would just take anyone because it beats sleeping alone. Mm. Yeah, it's not Maddie, but you're right. Maybe she's just thinking about Molly. So they stop the car and then we find out they're at Molly's house. And he's trying to talk her out of it, saying if they keep doing this, which is a good point, it's going to have a snowball effect. Find two women for Tupperman, that leaves Molly. Find two <laughs> men for Molly, that leaves some other clown and so on. So the direction they're going in, I could spend the rest of my life cruising for burgers I can't eat. And this isn't the way Iacocca would handle it. So he's mentioned him again. Yeah, that's right. But he's right. You know, he always makes good points. The cycle's never ending. And there's always going to be a leftover person. And then you're always going to have to find two people for that one. And it's a never ending cycle. So they start walking up to Molly's house and it's, it's functional, uninteresting, past its prime. It's got Molly written all over it. Molly written all over it. And by the way, I've driven past this house. Have you? LA area, yes. I've actually um, been past a lot of the locations in this episode. It's got the street address right there. You can look it up on Google Earth. Okay, so this is so funny with the whole plot. The house is totally empty. This is like, we're talking hours at the most. She's emptied out her entire house. The landlord is there, you know, sweeping and not ready to re-rent it. Okay, so I've written here, I'd like to know the name and address and phone number of her removalist. 
of her movers. Yeah, that's really funny. They really had to move the plot along, didn't they? Yeah. How would you even organize any of that? You know, it takes like months for people to move. How is it possible? That's what I want to know. Yeah, it's just not possible, but they have to move the plot along, I guess. So um, I love it when David looks through the door and he says, she must be in her minimalist period. <laughs> Gosh. Maddie's gloating. Molly getting married. The landlord's already there to clean it out. And throughout the episode, it switches back and forth. Like who's gloating more? Who's being yeah. more like, I found the right person. So now Maddie's like, oh, she's getting married. You know? So here we meet the landlord and, um, that's Lou Dressler, and she's mainly known for her role as Alice Grant on General Hospital. Her career began 1970. She was in Gunsmoke, Rockford Files, but mainly, yeah, she did um, General Hospital, and she had a bit of a stint on Days of Our Lives as well. Okay. So that's Lou Dressler. Good to know. So now they think, you know, well, Molly's getting married. All right. They're still trying to keep up and see what's going on. And they're back in the car. He can't work it out. He goes, he spoke to Tupperman this morning and he was happy with Stevie. No way he takes Miss Prissy over Miss March. Miss March again. Is that what he called Matt when he first met her? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Probably because um, that's his birthday month. Yeah, maybe. And Maddie's so happy that romance won. Yes. I won. Molly Tupperman won. Best, best of all, romance won. I'm not admitting mind, a thing until I have proof. Mind if I puke in your purse? That's like one of my favorite lines. <laughs> I use that. I use that outside the show. Yeah, oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. It's great. One of the puke in your purse. Like when something's like, oh, disgustingly, like annoying, you know. Oh, I'd have to say, mind if I puke in your bag. <laughs> no one says purse there? Well, a purse is where you keep your money, like where you keep your coin oh, and notes. Well, we That's a purse. A wallet. Your okay, wallet. We yeah. Wallet. We say wallet okay. too, but... If you're talking about the actual handbag, it's, yeah, I'd have to puke in your bag, Shauna. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the alliteration isn't as good on that, you know. No, it doesn't, it doesn't sound right, does it? No. But do men carry a purse? Like, would you say, oh, uh, do you have your purse with you? No, wallet. Oh, you'd say wallet for a man. Yeah. And your purse is inside your bag. That's for correct. Yes. There we go. It's our cultural lesson for the day. <laughs> yes. There's one in every episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the cultural differences between America and Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love this. I love that uh, David is all, you know, disheartened. And now he's, you know, she's feeling all good. When we pull up to the Universal Sheridan, by the way, she's saying, oh, you lost your swagger or something like that. You know, you lost your strut. She's saying that um, you seem naked. Oh, you seem naked. No mm. strut, no stride. And by the way, no handbag. She's always got a handbag with her, but she's got no handbag in this scene. She left it in the car, I guess. Now, Universal Sheridan. Uh, did you stay there when you were in LA? <laughs> I keep forgetting to ask my friend because there's two hotels up on that hill overlooking the yeah. Universal Studios, and we stayed in one of them, but I can't remember which one it was. Okay. Well, um, Diana and I visited this Sheraton, Universal Sheraton. We walked in those same doors and the lobby is very much the same. And the funniest part is, you know, when David uh, goes up to the reception to talk to the woman and gets the information about Stevie and Tupperman, 
there is like a metallic or wooden kind of like art piece behind her on the wall. Mm. And that's still there. Oh, get out. Still there. (laughs) Yep. Still exactly the same. Well, it was about five years ago when, uh, when we visited. Yeah. Oh my God, uh, Shauna. This is where they filmed um, Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin as well. They use the same hotel in the same lobby. So, um, and we saw where the escalators were that David goes up the escalator, you know, looking for her dad and all that stuff. So yeah, they use this um, hotel quite a bit, but yeah, isn't that so funny? That thing is still there. You keep saying that about a lot of locations, Shauna. Yeah. Well, things don't change that much in LA. Except for the Ambassador Hotel. That closed and yeah, that's gone. Just completely gone. Mm. And I think it was closed at the time. And that's why they filmed there a lot because, you know, it was just an empty hotel that they could dress up any way they wanted to. Yeah, that's great. I'll have to visit there myself. I don't recognize the lobby. So it might have been the other one that we stayed in. So that's, yeah, when they're walking in and she's looking at him like, you look naked. Oh my god. And she's so she stares at him and he says, Don't stare, it's not polite. I'm not talking uh, about your strut. It wasn't a strut, it was a stride. <laughs> By the way, the other hotel is a Hilton. So either you stayed in the oh, Sheraton. Oh, the other one's Hilton. a Hilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was that one. I don't think it was a Sheraton. Okay. Right, well, I think they filmed fine. a scene of uh West Wing there too at the Sheraton, but oh, only they? on the outside. Okay. So yeah, so they're walking in and David's annoyed and all of that. He's going to go up to the reception. Maddie takes a seat. I like how she walks off on him, though. (laughs) That's a funny sort of cut. Like they're talking, then she walks off on him. Sort of weird. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So they go up to the room. They don't answer. And Maddie is stirring David, saying the happy couple doesn't want to be disturbed. Now, (laughs) yes. My question here real quick is how do they get the room number? Well, I suppose... Let's just assume that maybe Alan Tupperman gave him all the information in that paperwork where he was staying. Okay. Yeah. Plausible. While we're talking about Alan Tupperman, my question is, yeah. why has he come all the way from Connecticut to Los Angeles to yeah. find this woman? Okay. I thought about that. And I think the reason is because he was pulling the scam back in Connecticut, pretending like he had mm. a wife. So he wanted to get as far away from that as possible. So kind of like yeah. all the way out to LA, there was no internet or anything, like be hard to track anybody down and you know, mm, blah, blah, makes blah. Sense. You know, what was really going on. Yeah. Just, I guess Molly's really the only reason that the monkey wrench got thrown in their plan or his plan. Yes. All right. So they return downstairs and David goes to reception and finds out the Tupperman already has a wife and that they have yeah. already checked out. Yeah. And he finds out by the description that Stevie was with him. Because the receptionist says that she never used ashtrays. Never used ashtrays. <laughs> Funny description. And, you know, I laugh here because you get a glimpse of the receipt mm-hmm. that she gives David. And the receipt says room number 311. Mm, yes. But they were in room 319. Ooh, there you go. See? That's another, what we do. Another goof. Yes, I also paused it on the receipt to see there was like a charge at the bar. Yes. Things like that. And I just love the way that Sybil's acting here and Bruce. I like these scenes of them together. I remember first watching this and when I first watched the episode way back when, and I couldn't work out how David thought that Tupperman already had a wife back home. You weren't sure how they knew that he had a wife back home? Yeah. 
Because yeah. when he goes up to Maddie, he goes, you who, you who, who, you who, you, we have a problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our boy Tupperman already has a wife. Now I'm thinking, hang yeah. on. The receptionist told him that he walked out with Stevie. So what makes him think that he's already got a wife yeah. at home? Yeah. And then I thought, oh, maybe it's got to do with a credit card. Right. Yes. Think so. Because he had a credit card in Mr. and Mrs. Tupperman, he's like, oh, that means yeah. he's got a wife back in Connecticut. He's taking Stevie home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I ever really thought about it before, but that's what I figured out from what the conversation was with the receptionist that the credit card said Mr. and Mrs. Tupperman. Mm. And that would be way too fast, even though they are very much like speeding things along as far as, you know, getting her moved out of the house and all that stuff. You couldn't get a credit card printed that fast for Mr. That's and true. Mrs. Yeah, that's true. Now, David's worked out that he left this morning, not with wife number one, not with Molly, but with Stevie. And Maddie says, do you think he's planning on marrying them both? That would make him the biggest bigamist in bigamy history. You who? You who who? You who you. We have a problem. We, me or thee? We, definitely we. Our boy Tupperman's already got a wife. A what? A wife. Checked him in this hotel with a credit card in the name of Mr. and Mrs. But David, he came to us for a wife. That's bigamy. Wait, the bigamy gets bigger. Bigger? Bigger. When he left this morning, it wasn't with wife one and it wasn't with Molly. It was with Stevie. Stevie? Stevie. David, do you think he's planning on marrying them both? That would make him the biggest bigamist in bigamy history. Try saying that fast three times. <laughs> Good job. Glad you're I love that. it. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. And by the way, the date yes. on the receipt is 12-1-86. Yes, I noticed that. But this aired in January. Oh, it's... One twelve, hang on, twelve one. Ah, oh, see, I took it as the twelfth of January, but it's the first of December because you guys do it backwards. You yes. guys do your dates backwards. <laughs> uh, no, so that would be December first, eighty six. Oh, yeah, that's funny, huh? Wonder why they did that. It says twelve one eighty six, and then after a few charges, it says twelve two eighty six. So over the couple of days, they were at the bar. Restaurant and bar charges. There yeah, I was more charges. interested in the room number, but I did notice the date. But because we do our yeah, dates reverse right. to you, I thought it was January. So, oh, that's good pickup. Excellent. Yeah, funny, huh? And the total was six forty-eight forty-eight. That's a lot of money. Yeah, back in that day. Mm. But it was most. It was room and like bar and restaurant charges over a couple of days. Anyway, that's the receipt of the Tuppermans. It's great how they go to commercial there with the biggest bigamist in bigamy history. <laughs> it is it's good it's really good yeah and okay so remember i was saying like in the beginning you could almost feel tension between sybil and bruce now it's kind of the opposite now it seems like they're like having fun and it's a little looser they're like kind of the playful selves again in which scene are you talking about the one in the hotel or the one on the plane i'd say hotel because the plane again well we do see them one scene together but i don't i'm not sure they're there together most of the time you know? Yeah. Because you get single shots, single shots. The last shot, you do get them together, but yes. he puts the blanket over her. But in the hotel, they're together there. So I don't know. I just felt like they were being playful with each other outside of the characters a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They were having fun. Yeah. Like yeah. More I can fun. see that. So then they leave there, you know, we go to commercial, we come back and they're traveling together. I think this is the first time they've traveled outside of, El no, no, they went to Buenos Aires. So, mm. okay. 
but they never flew together with Buenos Aires. But they're traveling together back east, sleeping yeah. on the airplane. It's funny how he wakes up from a dream laughing. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> And he looks at Maddie and he goes, I guess we got our Friday night date after all. I was like, how are you doing? Some big spender, the red-eye flight to Connecticut. He goes, don't pretend you're not impressed. We're sleeping together, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're sleeping together, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> so it's been about a week because this is the next Friday night, I guess. I guess we got our Friday night date after all. And I said, has it been a week? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's interesting because I was wondering how he killed Stevie so quickly and had the funeral so quickly. Yes, I know. Well, everything, yeah, everything is just like on super drive or something, you know. Why does everything have, have to happen like in a day? Why can't they just yeah. be like the next week? <laughs> I don't know, like one week later. It's just funny. I mean, they never spent much time explaining the plots anyway, but yeah. Mm -hmm. But bad, you're so. right. I didn't put that together. That makes sense if it is the following Friday, because it couldn't possibly have been in that 24 hours because Tupperman's good, but he's not that good. He couldn't have organized everything because a funeral yeah. takes, well, here it takes three or four days at least before you can have your funeral. That's right. I think it is maybe a week later, you know, I guess they didn't have to run right to Connecticut. I mean, plans had to be made. Agnes had to get them on a plane and mm. all of that. Maybe they were doing some more legwork from LA, you know, who knows? We don't see everything. Why is she calling him a big spender, you know, when she said the red-eye flight to Connecticut? Isn't the business paying for this flight? Yeah, <laughs> but is she just teasing about a date? Yeah. Some rich dialogue from Maddie here talking about the first time a woman gets married. A woman gets married for the first time only once in her life. Once. There's only one first wedding. There's only one first wedding day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She thinks David's the most unromantic human on the face of the planet because he thinks, oh, well, bad luck. Then they get it done. They can get it undone. And he kisses her hand. You've got to be the single most unromantic human being on the face of the planet. Yeah, well, it's something I work at. Yes, that's cute. It's cute. No, but I'm just saying because of what happens with Maddie later in the series, it just shows how out of character that was because she's so adamant about like, the first time a woman gets married is special and you're like not romantic. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he's another roller coaster, this one. And it's cute when he covers her up with the blanket. And yeah, I like this scene. Again, I mean, of course, we notice more and viewers even like when we point it out all the time, but I don't think they were on the plane together the whole time. You know, film his side, film her side, film yeah. one master. I think there's one cut that's about it, I think, when he puts the blanket on. Yeah, that's the one time that they are together. So the next scene, you know, I said, they, I love that they are acting cold, like they're in Connecticut. You know, I, mean, <laughs> things like that. I said, Sybil must be dying in that fur coat, you know, because they're outside. You know, it's L.A., you know, they haven't left, but they have to uh, act like it's cold there. And David keeps like, you know, blowing in his hands and rubbing his hands together and stuff like that. He does a good job, though. <laughs> Making yeah, yeah. Cold. And, yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's got a trench coat on and she's got her fur. She looks great. They both look good. And he's always a gentleman, always like she sits there and he opens the door for her and the car and lets her out. He always does oh, that in the beginning. And that ugly hire car. Oh, I know. Isn't that awful? <laughs> what an ugly car. Like, I don't know if that's a certain make and model, but you guys have a lot of cars with the vertical rear window. That's weird. Mm, yeah. Funny, I don't know. That's it's a, a funny that's shape. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, it's an ugly car. Isn't it brown? Yeah, it's brown. Oh, God, it's ugly. <laughs> awful. They found the most awful rental car. 
I guess they just had to really be like, this is a different car than the BMW. They aren't in LA. <laughs> they are in Connecticut. <laughs> guess yeah. what, Network? We noticed. <laughs> we noticed. Yes, of course we did. It might have taken us 30 years, but we noticed. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So they're all rubbed up, which we don't see too often. Yeah, and I've written here too that it's nice how he opens the door for her. And Maddie feels funny showing up at his home. Maybe they should call the police because she doesn't want to confront him. But David laughs. I love how he says, <laughs> There's a great scene. Officer, arrest this man. We set him up for a date and he didn't need one. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you got to say about it. So the first clues are all the bills in the letterbox. This guy's either really stupid or very rich. Nothing but bills for the missus. Hasn't the guy heard of cheating? Of course, again. <laughs> Terrible line. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Maddie, as she always does, what do you suggest we do? Give me your mm-hmm. shoe. What do you want my shoe for? I'm going to open the window. So then he breaks the window on the door. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering how many takes. Surely this only took one take, surely, because how many doors can you break? Yeah, I know. How many times can they break the window? I can't believe you did that. Give me your shoe. My shoe? Your shoe. What are you going to do with it? Open the door. Really? Really. This I've got to see. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> What's wrong with your shoes? Nothing. Largely because I don't let people smash windows with them. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, he smashes and cleans out the glass with his shoe. It's like, and then she just puts it back on. It's like, there's got to be shards in there. Sybil hates wearing her shoes anyway. Now she's wearing a shoe with shards of glass in it. Oh, that's a good scene. I like it. It's funny. Yes, I love the scene. I love that they're together. I love that they both look so beautiful. They look so yeah. beautiful together. And they just seem like they're enjoying getting along. Just me reading into it, but they look like, yeah. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. So Maddie's worried now. It's only 10.30 in the morning and they've already broken two laws, tampering with the mail and breaking and entering. (laughs) And he turns around and they're nose to nose. Oh, I know. I love that. I wonder if that wasn't planned. I think it was planned because she walks right up on him and he turns around and they both do it. Yeah. They do those physical things. 
I mean, when we were talking to Glenn, in a way, I was kind of saying like how much of that was planned. And those are the kind of moments I meant. I definitely think that those are things that Sybil and Bruce worked out with the directors. But yeah, I really like this scene. They both separate and search the house. David looks in the underwear drawer. What a surprise. Then in a walk-in robe, they meet up again. What do we do now? Well, first of all, God, how can you not mention the wallpaper matching the furniture, that horrible rose pattern of wallpaper and furniture in that room? Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this yeah, down. Yeah, I wrote that down at the end of this paragraph. Um, I put the wallpaper matches the couch. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> These huge, massive flowers on it. Bruce or David, you know, walks into that room and he like picks up something off of the the dresser. Dresser, thank you. And then do you notice he looks in the mirror, like looks at himself and kind of like, you know, slicks his hair back on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have to, don't you? When you're a good looking man like David? Oh yeah, of course. He like licks his uh, finger and like slicks his hair back. Oh my gosh, this is so David. There's a a couple funny things in here. At some point he says, give me a minute. And she says, take two kind of sweetly. (laughs) And then uh, she says, did you see any pictures? And he goes, the color purple made me blue. So the color purple, remember with uh, Whitney Goldberg? Yeah, it left me blue. Yeah, so it's kind of funny, another reference in there. Everybody knows the movie. They go to leave and there's a man from next door at the front, little sticky nose, I call him. He heard the glass breaking and saw the hire car. And David goes, Cousin Alan promised to leave us a key. (laughs) Um, And and I've put here that this gentleman is giving them all this information willingly. Oh, my gosh. I know. He's telling him everything. I, I saw people moving around in here. At first, I thought it was Mr. Tupperman had returned home from the hospital. Maybe make it to the funeral. The neighbor is Sidney Lassick. He's best known for his outstanding portrayal of the whiny and infantile manic depressive mental patient, Charlie Cheswick, in the acclaimed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah, that's right. I knew him from somewhere. And he was also the mean, sarcastic English teacher, Mr. Fromm in Carrie. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, another thing. I mean, uh, the dialogue in this episode is so dense. I mean, just from all the things we've already mentioned and, you know, some I noticed and you didn't, some you noticed I didn't. You know what I mean? That just shows how much there is there. But when the neighbor tells them all the information and then did you notice at the same time, David goes, funeral, and Maddie goes, hospital. Hospital. (laughs) But great dialogue and a great delivery of everything, you know. It's interesting how they always take in the opposite word. (laughs) Yes. David says funeral and Maddie says hospital at the same time. It's so good. And he lets them know about the car crash and they both look at each other like it's, you know, uh uh-oh. Yep. One more piece of the puzzle is being put down. Mm. And so they head over to the church. And do you know where this church is? Do you know anything about this church? Um, I don't. I don't know about this church. No, I may have looked it up on Google Maps or maybe try to find it. I don't know anything about this one. Sorry to say. All right. So they get out of the car and, you know, Maddie hates the convenience of it. What, the church being around the corner from his house? Lots of people look for that when they buy a home. (laughs) And Tupperman comes to us for a wife. Then we find out that he already has a wife. Then suddenly he loses a wife. Sounds like you're accusing him of murder. Yes, I am. Look at the bright side. Okay. He's not as big a bigamist as he once was. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I wrote my notes. Sybil and Bruce getting along better here. <laughs> you can just almost see it. They seem more playful and, you know, the dialogue is brighter and all that stuff, like how they yeah. deliver it. I said they're getting along better here at the end of the episode. Lots of dialogue, lots of banter, lots of bodies bumping into each other. 
making their way through the funeral home. Yeah. I think it changes their demeanor a little bit when they're outside. I remember in the commentary for Atomic, Bruce said that, you know, it was just great to get outside instead of being inside the studio all the time. I think he enjoyed that more being outside. Yeah, it was fun to be off of the, the studio lot and on location. And as they make their way through the home, there's lots of whispers about the wife, Stevie. There's all these little comments. Um, So sorry, Alan couldn't get out of the hospital in time. I heard she was a good woman. I heard that too. Mm -hmm. That's the self-reliant type. Described her as independent. Had to be all the traveling Alan did. It's probably why she Mm -hmm. kept to herself like she did. So we're kind of getting more of a a picture how he had this pretend wife that nobody ever really saw and all the things that they had heard about her. And Mm. Maddie and David are working their way through the room. They're kind of looking for Tupperman, right? They learn that Tupperman is not there. So they said they're going to go to the hospital, but they notice the body in the casket. And it's funny how he notices the body in the casket because he doesn't look at the casket. He's actually looking straight ahead. (laughs) That's funny. And... From another commentary, Will McKenzie. Okay, so the, the funny thing is, two, there were two directors for this, Will McKenzie and Christian. Yes. Naibi, right? Okay. We didn't even talk about like why, but um, I mean, we don't know why, but interesting. Mm-hmm. But Will McKenzie said, it was in the commentary for My Fair David, that Sybil knew a lot about cameras, as we know. She kind of went to the school of Peter Bogdanovich. And um, he said that he wanted to put a camera in Bride of Tupperman. Um, he wanted to put a camera in the casket looking up. So like David and Maddie would be like leaning in to look into the casket and she yep. wouldn't allow it. She wouldn't allow the, the camera to be there. Why? Um, because she didn't want the camera going up her nose. Uh, it's not flattering well, to have a camera looking upwards at you. That's true. Yeah. Um, but it would have been a good shot for them. I could see it then like peeking into the casket and us getting that point of view. Yeah. I could see what it was like going for. So the shot that we get is more dead on. She had a lot of say in things. I know, but I mean, she was the star and some of these directors, I think were kind of, I mean, didn't Will McKenzie say that he was kind of new to directing? Mm. And if she knew a lot about cameras, remember that the behind the scenes of that interview, she kept asking the woman to like move her camera higher. Yes. So I think it was probably like that. Yeah. She knows how she looks better. Yeah, she knows what flatters her best. So, you know, she wanted the camera up high. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes sense. It is all about angles, though. Even when you take a selfie or a picture, if it's like dead on or something, you can look like square. Yeah. Whoa. Talk about an uncanny resemblance. Oh, David. Oh, Maddie. Oh, Oh, Stevie. I'll talk a little bit about Stevie. That's Deborah Wakeham. She's a talented young lady. She's a writer, producer. She's a, an award-winning dancer, choreographer, actor, and director. She has her own production company, uh, Lucid Dreams, Inc., which has offices in Vancouver, Los Angeles, Winnipeg, and Toronto. Oh, wow. Her career goes back to 1979. The longest stint she had was in a TV series called Danger Bay. She just did a lot of bits and pieces in TV shows, but looks like her main aim was to produce and direct but she's still going. Deborah Wakeham. Great. All right. So anyway, they know it's Stevie, who's now been killed and passed off as the wife, I guess. And they show up at the hospital. Another bride of Frankenstein clip showing on TV. Yeah. And this is where you get the big plug for Universal Studios because 
it's the end of the movie that Tupperman is watching and yeah. they just keep it going until the Universal Studios logo comes up. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Oh, right. I forgot yeah. to mention there's a goof when Stevie is in the casket. Yeah. When you've got the view looking at both Maddie and David, her arms are crossed, but when there's just the cut of Stevie, her arms are not crossed. <laughs> oh, my gosh, really? That's a good catch. Never <laughs> noticed it. Good eyes, good eyes. And it just shows you what sort of a person Tupperman is when he's laughing when the building blows up in the movie. Oh, yeah, exactly. Before we go any further, I'll just talk about Guy Boyd, who is Alan Tupperman. Okay. Guy Boyd has been a reliable and renowned supporting actor since his film debut in Between the Lines in 1977. His acting career began studying Shakespearean dramas. Oh, maybe they should have had him on Atomic. And on and off Broadway productions before starting a lengthy career in films, usually playing tough authority figures. In 20 Mm. years, Boyd has starred in nearly 50 motion pictures and is probably best known for his funny and sometimes sick performance as Detective McLean in Brian De Palma's Body Double, 1984. Boyd won the Venice Film Festival's Golden Lion Award for Best Actor for his role in Robert Altman's Streamers in 1983, and he also co-starred on the science fiction television series Black Scorpion. So when I checked to see what he's up to, most recently he was in uh, Madam Secretary, American Rust, and the last thing he did was this year, The Girl from Plainville. So he's still working. Go Boyd. Yeah. Love to hear that. Yeah, so he's all banged up and bruised up. (laughs) So Maddie and David enter the room and David (laughs) begins to reveal that he's worked out what Tupperman's plan was to invent a wife for himself. And Maddie is (laughs) totally confused, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So he begins to explain, a couple of years ago, you bought some clothes, sent them to the cleaners once a week, opened her a bunch of charge accounts. Yeah. But most important, you took out a life insurance policy. Maddie says, when did you figure all this out? During the commercial. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Breaking the fourth wall and kind of making fun of the fact that everything has to be wrapped up in the hour, you know. But when he does this, he doesn't take his eye off Tupperman when Maddie's asking him these questions. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, I know. So a couple of years go by, business is not what it used to be. You decide to cash in, but you need a body. Maddie works it out. That's why he came to see us, not to find a wife, but to find a body. David, do you realize what we just did? Found the climax? At the same time. Should we have a cigarette now? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I notice when they walk in the room, they get rid of those big coats. It's funny how they're both holding their coats and then they will put them on the chair. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, you know, it's just like, yep, summarize the plot, wrap it all up, let the audience know, you know, catch everybody up from the commercial break and like, yeah, we got to wrap this up in an hour, you know, we only got a few minutes. <laughs> and have them so, yeah. and have them both have a climax at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I know. And get a little innuendo and at the same time. Yeah. So that worked out perfectly. And mm-hmm. Sybil, I think it looks really beautiful in the shot. And it's just funny how this outfit covers so much, you know what I mean? She's got this high neck which is still, you know, really flattering on her at this point, where I feel like later in the series when she wore those were like really high neck things, she looked very like nunish. But I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but even like these high neck outfits look really classy on her at this point. Yeah. She looks professional and classy. Yeah. So David starts um, kind of knocking Tupperman around and, you know, <laughs> she's give it back to him, punish him a little bit for everything he's done up until this point, spelling it all out for everybody. 
We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod2016. Enter Molly with a gun and the fun music begins. Yeah. And <laughs> she tells Alan to get into his chair and that's when Alan divulges what's going on. He needed a body to perish in a car accident and you sent her to me, Stevie. But Molly came over and he wasn't prepared for that. He invited her in and they fell in love within five minutes. Isn't that amazing, Shauna? Oh, my gosh, I know. It's like a miracle. And Maddie, <laughs> Maddie's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it the minute they saw each other. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, but Molly tied them both up. Oh, my gosh, I know. So funny. Oh, please. Really? I know. Here they are tied up again. They're tied up again for the 25th Molly. time. Yeah, Molly is just like absolutely dedicated to this guy. She's got him at gunpoint. Yeah, she's tied him up. And yeah, I've written here, but how did Molly handle both of them and hold the gun and tie them up at the same time? Oh my gosh, I know. There's like, <laughs> and the way that they're tied up and everything, you know. Well, maybe Tupperman held the gun, Molly tied him up. Yeah, that's you true. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a great line when David says, Look at the bright side. Yeah, I guess that was a good thing for Maddie and David. A little goof I notice here, when he's untying Maddie, he puts the sheet on her and he throws this sock or something on her lap. But then when they leave out of the room, it's not there. Oh, really? Okay. So David begins to talk about the bright side of what Tupperman was doing. Got a hand to the guy. Make believe wife. Does a nag. Never gets a headache. Doesn't make a stink when you stay out a little late with the boys. And at the end of the year, you can still write her off your taxes. <laughs> oh, I know. Yes. Yeah, such like David thinking right there. So he doesn't untie Maddie, covers her with a sheet, and then you've got a wheelchair chase. Yes, I know. Wheelchair chase. How funny is that? It's so moonlighting. Mm, it's so good. And you can see some of the cuts of the body doubles, but who cares? I don't care. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Sometimes from behind you can see. But a lot of it is Sybil and Bruce. And yep. in one part, it goes a little bit into the chase. They go through so much like the woman who's going to have surgery and they're like drawing on her face and <laughs> they're chasing around and around and around. And yes, it goes on and on, you know, whatever. But there's one point when Bruce, they come around a corner and he's pushing Sybil. And seriously, he almost dumps her out. Yes, it goes on its side almost. Yeah, yeah. She's like, ah, 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 ah. She's like kind of putting down her leg and he's kind of like with the chair like, but that's really them. That's not doubles at all, you know. And they do this whole thing where Molly's like shooting and, you know, it's probably like six bullets, as they always say. And David sticks out for her to shoot a bedpan, an IV bag. And a skeleton. <laughs> and a skeleton. <laughs> and I don't but get it, it because there's only five shots. Yeah, there was five she runs shots. out yeah. after five bullets. Yep. So there weren't six. There were only five. Oh, yeah. And the music that is playing is the skeleton dance. Oh, okay. I didn't know what it was. Funny. Yeah. So just another creative way to have a chase. But the poor lady in the that's just about to have plastic surgery, oh, my God, boy, does she change her mind. Yep. She's like, I think that. I'm okay. And there's a goof yeah. here too where – Alan Tupperman, you know, he's throwing the scalpels and they hit the wall above David's head, but one of them isn't a scalpel. It's this two-pronged thing. I don't know what it is. He throws mm. it, but when it gets to the wall, it's a scalpel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another goof. Yeah. And you know what? This is like, 
you know how Bruce um, says later that they just kind of kept repeating jokes that they'd already done earlier in Moonlighting, you know, yeah. later in Moonlighting season yeah. five. They did this again in one of the episodes, the one with Jennifer Tilly later. You know, remember they throw scalpels again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see how they've repeated like so many jokes later because they weren't as creative as Gulen. But yeah. anyway. And a lot yeah. of them were in the guy's chest. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> in that later one, yeah. What was that one? Um, um, plastic, Fantastic Lover. Oh, plastic, yeah, that's it. Okay, this part's just silly, but who cares? You know, like they know it's yeah. a stairwell. I'm sure it's got a sign there and Molly and Alan <laughs> thinking it's just a corridor and she pushes him down the stairwell and they both fall down. And then, Maddie and, and then Maddie and David do the same thing. Oh, my gosh, I know, I know. Yeah, like nobody's looking and, well, Molly wasn't looking and then David kind of accidentally dumps Maddie on him. Um, poor Maddie lands on Tupperman. And she yeah, does a yeah. beautiful growl. I love it. Yes, yes. Always a good Maddie growl. It's always uh, makes the episode. Well, a great episode. That was a really fast-paced plot twisting. It was an episode with a plot that can only be described as a maze. A lot of twists and turns. A snippet of the Bride of Frankenstein movie. A bowl of popcorn with a remote control in it. Maddie's date gets married. Another no shake hands episode. Maddie and David attempting to matchmake. A $30,000 client. Maddie takes the high road and David takes the low. David being thrown out of a modeling agency and having a cocktail thrown over his head. David finally finding Stevie with a red helmet. Agnes trying to speak three languages at once. David gloating when he thinks he's won. Maddie staring at David's strut stride. A woman who doesn't like ashtrays. A long flight from LA to Connecticut, which is five and a half hours, by the way, because I checked that. David breaking a window with Maddie's shoe. A car accident that you don't see. A surprise funeral. Maddie and David reaching climax and not having a cigarette. <laughs> a wheelchair chase scene. A Universal Studios plug. Maddie and David tied up again. Five bullets. A dizzy plastic surgery patient. And the biggest bigamist in bigamy history. Oh, there you go. Yes. And 11 door slams. And I counted seven outfit changes for Maddie. Seven. Want me to go through them? Okay. I got six. Let's see. Pink outfit in the beginning. And then the next day in the car, it's white or cream. Yep. And then blue satin. When she is um, talking to the women in her office, they show a clip of Maddie and she has a blue satinish outfit on. Yep. Okay. Then a purple outfit. She's wearing when she's got Molly with her. Then she's got a white outfit on again when they're waiting for Molly to call. Then on the airplane, she is wearing a beige something or other. Mm, it's a bit hard to tell. Yep. The skirt and top something and her fur. And then she's got the fur and the white gray dress at the funeral. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Okay, cool. All right, seven outfit changes. Wow. Yeah, it's big. It was a big episode. I don't even think of this. I don't know. I guess, again, it's not like a go-to. It's a good episode. I mean, the more we analyze it, the more I'm like, wow, this is really a great episode. 
You get a lot of Maddie and David, you got a lot of banter, you get a lot of dialogue, you get them traveling together, you get clues into their personality and their thoughts about life and dating and relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to this episode. I think it's better than I realized. Yeah, it's action packed with different elements. Yes, that's right. It's the first episode they did after the like Christmas break. Is it in your top 10? No, it is not in my top 10. It was very, very close to being in my top 10, very close than any other episode that is okay. not in my top 10, but I love the episode regardless. I mean, I feel it has all the things we love. Yeah, it's not in mine either. I don't know what it is about it because there's a lot to love, but no, it's not in my top 10. And no but feet out of I... the elevator either in this episode. No, no feet out of the elevator, yeah. Yeah, I think I appreciated it more this time around, definitely, especially dialogue-wise and all of that. It's one of those normal episodes where we get a lot of Maddie and David in it, but obviously we pay for it in the next episode. <laughs> we pay for it. I love it. We pay for it bad. Yeah, I guess, you know, but you can see in ways that why they needed to have a break. Yeah, it was obvious. With regards to the moonlighting stats so far, I can't give you an ongoing figure because we haven't recorded Twas the Episode Before Christmas yet. And that's our live event, which is on the 25th of June. But by the time you listen to this episode, we would have already had it. So the ongoing stats, I can't really give you. you. do that now. Yeah, because the last stats we had was 38 door slams. So plus this um, will make it 49, but we haven't yeah. gotten through Twas the Episode. So. Everything's going to be a little bit out of order because we're recording episodes out of order. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. We got a really nice uh, email from Amy, who is a member of our Facebook group and probably on Instagram as well. Hi, Grace and Shauna. I'm really enjoying the podcast, especially your take on comparisons between what's Sybil and Bruce and Maddie and David. I joined when the Knowing Her podcast came out, so I'm catching up on past podcasts. I recently listened to Brother Kenny's Fair Blonde. It was the George Burns Gracie Allen show, a great show from the 40s and 50s that first did the breaking of the fourth wall. When I recently began watching it, I thought, oh, I thought Moonlighting first did this. Also, the part where David says the missus thought he was going to the mall. I heard the next line as turns out he was going out with them all. He shortened it to with them all. Is that right? Maybe. I actually don't think that's right because we figured that out with another listener who there was a term mall, M-A-U-L, which was like the girlfriend of a biker, right? Grace? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, But I can see how she would think that was a different pronunciation. Yeah, it's definitely a good thought. And yes, with the great George Burns and Gracie Allen show. Yes, correct. I also have a question. Read the mind, see the movie. They get into a red car after they jump in the pool. It's not the Porsche. It's clearly a Corvette. Where did David get a Corvette? Maybe they just thought people wouldn't notice the difference. <laughs> anyway, I look forward to new podcasts each Sunday. You always give me something else to go back and look for. You two are hilarious. And thanks so much for keeping my all-time favorite show since I was 12 in our hearts and minds. Amy. Oh, thanks, yes. Amy. I'm glad she mentioned the Corvette because I found that out about two weeks after we had released that episode. Yeah. And I actually said to Shauna, Shauna, we need to do a separate episode for stuff that we find out later. <laughs> and I said, I found out it wasn't a um, Porsche, it was a Corvette. But I'm glad, Amy, you've mentioned it. That's great. We've clarified that. So terrific. Thanks for your email. Yes. Love that. What's next week's episode, Shauna? Next week's episode is our first taste of a Tepesto episode. 
even though we do get Maddie and David in it. Um, it's called North by North De Pesto. I like my De Pesto episodes. This one aired on the 21st of January 1986, and it was directed by Christopher Hibbler. Elise Beasley has her own show in this episode, and she does a great job too. Yeah, she kind of gets to take the reins for an episode. That'll be interesting to discuss. I'll look forward to that. I wonder if she got a pay rise. Yeah, maybe. More (laughs) airtime, more money. (laughs) Maybe she got a taste of what the hours were like by doing an episode on her own. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because she was in almost every scene. She probably loved it, though, you know, because she didn't always get that. Like an actress's dream. Thank you for listening to The Bride of Tupperman Part 2. Shauna and I will now be taking a well-earned three-week break as Shauna will be travelling overseas. Lucky her. So we will be returning on the 21st of August for our next episode. And in other news, we have another live event coming up, which for our US listeners will be on Saturday the 3rd of September at 4pm Pacific Time and 7pm Eastern Time. And for our Australian listeners, it will be on Sunday morning, the 4th of September at 9am. And the episode that we'll be discussing will be Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin, another fan favourite. For more information, you can go to moonlightingthepodcast.com slash events, or you can check our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter posts for any updates. Thank you for listening and for your ongoing support. And we'll be back with North by North De Pesto. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.